Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How we doing today? Good. Good, I don't believe you. How we doing this morning? Good. Okay, listen. Um, shake it off. Okay, whatever, you, whatever you're carrying, shake it off. You had the opportunity to get prayed for it before. Shake it off, okay? Otherwise, you're going to miss out on a, on, a, on a good message today. All right? If you're, if you're here and you're preoccupied right now with stuff that went on during the week or stuff that happened to you or news that you got, shake it off, okay? When I was in the restaurant business, and, and I'm going to give you this illustration. Please, I'm just being very open and honest with you. When I was in the restaurant business, we had a code that we went by. Because um, when you go out to eat, you want to enjoy yourself, right? How many like to go out to eat here? How many don't like to go out to eat? Don't take them out anymore. Okay, so when you go to a restaurant, what would you think if the waitress came over and started just pouring out her troubles all over you while you're deciding whether you want your steak medium or rare or whatever? Would you go back to that restaurant? No. Okay, so I used to tell our servers, listen, you got problems? Leave them in the kitchen. When you walk out that door, you walk out here with a smile, okay, and you make believe everything is okay. Amen. Okay? All right, let, let me ask you this question. Does God know what you're going through right now? Yes. Right. Do, is he capable of carrying your problems, your challenges, your issues? Yes. Is he or not? Yes. Okay, well, then there's no use both of you carrying them. Amen. Leave it in his hands. Amen. The Bible tells us to come into his presence with thanksgiving. Yes, Lord. Okay? Put aside, as it tells us in Hebrews, every weight, put aside even the sin that might be weighing on you right now, put it aside. Otherwise, you're going to be too preoccupied to receive from the Word of God, which is able to build you up, and like it says in the book of Acts, and give you an inheritance among the saints, okay? So don't allow distractions of life, problems, issues, pressures to rob you of the life that's in the Word, okay? Because then you'll walk out of here different. If you keep holding on to what you got, you're going to walk out of here the same. Are, are you catching? Because some of you looking at me, looking at me like I'm like there's subtitles underneath here. I, I just promise me this: put aside whatever is is concerning you right now. God knows; He's got it. If you leave it to Him, He'll take care of it. But if you keep constantly picking your stuff back up again, then it's like, okay, God's like, okay, what are you doing? You want me to take this, or are you going to take this? Does that make sense? Yes. So make believe you're in the kitchen right now. You're going to walk out into the presence of God, and you're going to walk in there by faith and say, Father, I'm totally confident that you take care of everything. You know exactly what I'm going through. You know exactly what I'm dealing with. I'm not going to allow that to rob me of what you want to deposit in my heart today. Can we do that? Why don't we all do it together? Stand up. Say this to me, Father, Father your, word says your word says that I can cast all of my cares, all of my cares over, on you over on you because you care for me and you watch over me affectionately. So I'm casting all my care. It's all in your hands. I'm not going to consider it anymore so that you can deposit within my spirit the word that I need today. Amen? Amen. 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 Go ahead. Be seated. All right. Let's jump in. 
part two of this series, Living in the Last Days. And I'm going to be real transparent and open with you. I'm almost regretting that I put that title on this message because I have a suspicion that most people are concentrating on the words last days. And, and so you keep sitting here waiting for this uh, teaching about this sign and that sign and the other sign. The other. Look, um, if you've been uh, attending New Beginnings uh, for any length of time, just a few months ago, we spent six weeks talking about, discussing, and watching a video series in great detail, proving beyond the shadow of a, of a doubt that we are in the last of the last days. So my goal for this series is not to try to reprove that, okay, or to try to dig that up again. I'm going to ask you this, okay? Please, I want you to just settle in your heart for the sake of this series, we're in the last days. Well, I don't know about you. We could discuss that another time. But if you're going to become so preoccupied with whether we're in the last days or not, you're going to miss out on the teaching. Okay? Now, I've had a lot of people reach out to me during the week after we did part one last week because I did talk about some of the signs of the last days and wanted more. If you really do, if you weren't here, if you just started attending maybe in the past few months and you weren't here when we did that, that seminar for six weeks, contact me. I'll send you the videos. You can watch them on your own. There, it's lengthy. You're probably looking at eight hours worth of teaching, but it's worth it because we all walked away with like, oh, my God. There's stuff there that we've never seen in the Word before. And a phenomenal Bible teacher named Bob Yandian, okay? So if you're, if you're, I just don't want you getting stuck on you sitting here now today going, okay, when's he going to talk about this sign and that sign? No, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm proceeding from this point forward presuming that we are in the last days. My goal is, how do we now live in these last days? Because when you're in the last of the last days, you can't live the way you lived before. Okay? Because times are changing, stuff is happening, society's falling apart, things are happening left and right around us, and if you're not careful, you'll get your eyes on that, and you'll live your life in knee-jerk reaction to that, rather than living it in a, as a response to what the Word says. Amen. Does that make sense? Yes. For instance, let me just back up a little bit, okay? There's about 4,000 years history from Adam until Jesus, okay? Now, when Jesus went to the cross, when Jesus rose from the dead, when Jesus ascended into heaven, when the Holy Spirit came upon the church on the day of Pentecost, from that point forward, the disciples, the apostles, any of the believers that were waiting for the Messiah, who received Christ as Messiah, they realized we can't live like we lived before the cross, you getting this? Yeah. Okay, because history is like 4,000 years looking forward to the cross. Then you got the cross, and now we've got 2,000 years looking back at the cross. We can't live the same. Now when you come to the last of the last days, and we know definitely by God's time clock and calendar, we're in the last of the last days. Jesus could come for the church anytime. There's nothing left to happen. Now, I'm not talking about the second coming when he comes to stay on earth. I'm talking about Jesus coming for the church. Can happen any second. Amen. There is nothing left to happen, okay? Everything that was supposed to happen has happened, all right? So now in view of that, how do we live from this point forward? And some of you look at me like, what are you talking about? Okay, 
You're going to force me to go into a little bit of review here. Um, I'm just going to give you two dates. And these two dates seal beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are in the last days. Okay, let me ask you this question. And let's do this quick because I got to get into this teaching here. Where is Jesus going to return to? Is he coming to New York? Is he going to appear in Tokyo? Where, where is Jesus coming to? What? No, what geographic area on the earth is Jesus going to return to, to rule and reign where? Israel. And where in particular in Israel? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. So, okay. So, for a person in the early 1900s to say, Jesus is coming back anytime, it's not true. They couldn't say it with accuracy. But there was a date, and that date is May 14, 1948. When that date happened... Anybody after that day could say, Jesus can come back at any time. Why? Because Israel was not a nation. They were not a people. They didn't have their own homeland until May 14, 1948. Amen. Now, what, puts the, what really puts us in the last minutes of the last days is June 1967. Because on May 14, 1948, Israel was declared a nation again. The United Nations got together and said, yes, let's give them their own homeland. Okay, okay, that was in response to the Holocaust, in response to all the persecution of the Jews in Europe and all over the place. So, so they graciously gave them their own land again. However, they didn't have Jerusalem yet. Now, where in Jerusalem is Jesus supposed to return to? Mount of Olives. Where's the Mount of Olives? It's, it's in Jerusalem. So if, the, if, it's, if Israel did not have Jerusalem yet, how was Jesus? So June 1967, what happened? Six-day war, okay? I'm not here to give you a history lesson, just throwing this out at you. I want you to understand, when, when we say he can come back at any time, it is accurate. June 1967, the Israeli army recaptured Jerusalem and put it under their control. The Mount of Olives came back under their control. So as of 1967, Jesus can come back at any moment. Because in Acts chapter one, it says that when he ascended into heaven, he ascended from the Mount of Olives. And two angels showed up while the disciples, the apostles, were standing there watching Jesus just lift up into the heavens, okay? Excuse me. And the angel said to him, why are you standing here? This same Jesus who you've seen leave will in like manner, just the same way, going to return to the same place on that same spot, the exact same spot. And that wasn't a new thing. The Jews knew this because in the prophet Zechariah in the Old Testament, it tells us that this Messiah would come to that place in Jerusalem and every eye will see him, okay? Now with the technology we have, every eye can see him all over the earth, okay? We're in those days. Settle it for yourself, okay? You want more information? If you're one of those, you know, uh, end times buffs, you want to know all this stuff, I'll give you as much information as you want. All right, but for the sake of this series, we want to talk now. How are we supposed to live from this point forward? Because we can't live the same. Just like, and, and I don't want to get involved in this, and I'm not, I'm not making political statements, I'm making observations here. Just like this pandemic that broke out 18 months ago, two years, well, probably more like two years ago at this point in time, okay? Uh, life's never going to be the same again. This, this, it's new. It's new. Stop waiting for things to, to there's never going to be a time when they're going to go, hey, it all went away. It's just going to be, it'll be just dragged out for one purpose or another. 
And so life's not going to be the same. Just like life was never the same when those towers fell 20 years ago. Okay? Are you with me? Life, life never was the same after that. We think different. Uh, security measures are different. Technology is different. Everything is different. Nothing, nothing went back to, oh, okay, well, the towers fell, and once we put them back up again, everything's going to be okay. No, it changed life all over the world. Well, we're in another one of those patterns right now where life has changed, okay? So we recognize that Jesus is coming soon. So how do we live? Do we, do we put blinders on and make believe nothing's happening? Do we, do we act like, well, they've been saying this for years and years and years and years. But things happened that now cause us to say, no, no, he's coming now. He's coming now. Okay? And, and so there should be an urgency that rises up within us. We're not spectators. We're supposed to be Participants. Not only are we supposed to be participants, we're supposed to be instigators. Now, I know that usually has a negative context, but to instigate something means that you become the origination, the, origin, the, the point of origin of change, okay? You and I are supposed to be the point of origin of change in the people that God puts around us, okay? Somebody spoke to you about Jesus at some point in your life, and that's why you're here. Somebody spoke to me. I can think of multiple individuals that deposit seed, other people watered that seed, another person deposited another seed. That brought me to the place where on April the 25th, 1984, on a Wednesday night, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay? Someone instigated that in me. Someone deposited a spark in my heart that met the need that was in my soul. Amen. Are, are you found? Now, watch this now. You're supposed to be that same thing in somebody else's life. You're not supposed to just come to church and say, well, I go to New Beginnings, and you know, I'm there, and, 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 I, and I feel so good when I go there. I'm not supposed to make you feel good. I'm supposed to instigate you. Amen. If you're only feeling good when you come here, then you're not listening or I'm not doing my job. And the fact of the matter is right now, we are in the same mode right now as Noah was and his family. Because they're building the ark with one hand and they're yelling to the people, get in, the rain is coming, the rain is coming, the floods are coming. That's where we're supposed to be right now. Why? Jesus Christ is the ark of our salvation. He's the one who's going to lift us up above the storm, above the floods, above all the evil that's coming on the earth. And it's very selfish for us to not recognize this is who we are. Now, watch this now. If we do not take up the cause, the challenge of living in these last days, and we just sit back and make believe everything is okay, eventually you'll take your last breath. You'll, you'll go to heaven. You'll be in the presence of the Lord, okay? But will you have accomplished what you were supposed to with your life? Because you saying to Jesus, well, you know, Jesus, there was just so much craziness in the, in the days before I took my last breath. There was so much nuttiness. I just wanted to crawl up in a fetal position at home and not, he's gonna go, okay, but he, here's, your, here's what your life was supposed to be. Th- these are the things I wanted you to accomplish. These are the people that I wanted you to touch. These are the things that I wanted you, and you sat on your hands and did nothing. You're here because I paid for you with my blood. 
but I had so much reward for you and there was so much you were supposed to experience and you didn't because you got too preoccupied with all the craziness that was going on in the world. You listening to me? So I'm gonna jump right in. I've gotta go back to the scripture that's kind of the foundation block of this series, okay? It's like the, like the, the thing that we're, we're, we're building on and it's in 2 Timothy chapter three. This is a very important portion of scripture for the season of life that we're in right now, okay? Now I'm gonna read this the way it exists in your English Bible and then I'm going to give you more of a paraphrase of what the people of that day actually heard when this was written in their language, okay? Paul's writing to Timothy. But know this, now if I had my way, there'd be three exclamation points after the word this. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Okay, you got that? Now watch this. This is what they heard. You must grasp the reality that in the last days, and this is what last days means in Greek, when you've come to the place in time when you have reached the very last port, when you've come to the end of the line, exceeding, ferocious, life-threatening times will come. That's what they heard. That's how it reads in the original language. Do you think that's a little bit more emphatic? Yeah, and it clarifies a little bit more. Then he tells us what it's actually gonna look like. Let's go to verse two. For men will be lovers of themselves. Have you ever seen a time in the history of mankind? Okay, I don't even have to go there. Lovers of money. People will sell you out for five cents right now, okay? Uh, especially leaders, okay? Uh, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. I've never seen a time when so many people are holding grudges against others. I've never seen it. It's almost like the fear of God has departed from people, okay? And, and as a pastor, no matter how much you teach on offense, when somebody has the opportunity to get offended, they take it. They could sit there, amen, 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 pastor, we're never gonna do that. As soon as they have an opportunity to get offended, they get offended, why? Because self is so important right now. How dare you offend me? Because don't you know how special I am? You see what I'm talking about? Okay. Slanderers, without self-control. <laughs> I don't even have to explain that one. Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, a lot of spirituality out there. And I love when people say, well, yes, I'm very spiritual. Yeah, that's what I'm concerned about. You've entertained too many spirits, okay? <laughs> Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Now, we're supposed to turn away from the conduct, but are we supposed to discard people? No, no of course not. In fact, you've got to love them even more and be there for them even more. You just can't, listen, you just can't let their stuff get on you. Jesus hung out with the worst of the worst, but it didn't get on him. He got on them. Amen. Okay, you got this? Yes. All right, so now watch. We're not basing our statement that we're in the last days because that's how people will act. Because at every point in history, at some, some level, every civilization, every people group that's ever existed entertained that garbage. In other words, anybody who is ungodly manifests that kind of stuff. Okay, but he said it's going to be exceeding fierce in the days just before Jesus returns. Amen. Just like it was in the days just before the flood came. Yeah. 
God said, I've got to put an end to this violence here. So it's probably very much like it is today. And look at, and it's such a short period of time how it got that bad. Okay, you got this? So, so let's settle this, all right? We're in for rough times. Okay, listen to me. I'm not a gloom and doom person. I'm a person of faith. I believe in God. I believe that God's a good God. But listen to me, okay? We're gonna see some tough times before he returns. I'm not saying we're going through the tribulation. I'm not saying I don't believe that. But what leads up to that time is gonna be bad enough. We're seeing it already. Anybody who's over, over 30 or 40 years old could look at society today and say, what the heck happened? What happened? I've said this plenty of times. If somebody came back to life from 100 years ago, they'd say, put me back in the box, bury me. Because this world is crazy. Okay? And it's unbridled craziness. All right? All right, so, so how are we going to live? How are we going to live? What are we going to do? Okay, number one, you ready? Because i got to do this fast. Number one, don't give up hope. Last week we saw that the early church operated almost exclusively on this hope. What was their hope? Jesus is coming back. That's all they concerned themselves with. All they preached, they didn't preach, uh, how am I going to live my, and I'm not criticizing anybody. How am I going to live my best life? How am I going to be successful? This is what they preached. Jesus Christ resurrected and Jesus Christ returning. That's all that mattered to them. They lived in a society just as crazy and cruel and blasphemous, just like we do now, okay? Uh, They kind of had it worse than we did because at least now they're not lighting us on fire yet, okay? All right, but the early church suffered that kind of stuff. And every one of the letters that we read today, we fail to put them in the context that they written to a church that was already experiencing persecution, so we draw out of it what we want for our life today to make it a wonderful life. And, and God wants us to have a good life. God wants us to enjoy the fruit of our labors. God wants us, but he wants us to do it in the context that we're enjoying life here, but we got one eye on the sky. You, you listen to me? Because if you don't live that way, you're gonna get sucked into life down here. Amen. And you are not going to live with an expectancy and an urgency that Jesus is coming back. And the scriptures tell us, and you can go back to last week's notes, the scriptures tell us he's coming for those who eagerly await him. Hallelujah. Not the ones that are like, can you hold off a little bit? Uh, you know, and like I said, I think I said this last week here, I don't remember. The older you get, the more you look forward to Jesus coming. The younger you are, the more you're like, yeah, I want him to come back, but I want to get married first. I want to have some kids. I want to establish my career. I want to buy the big house. Honey, when we get on the other side of this thing, you're not going to worry about your career. You're not going to think about your house because what you got looking forward to on the other side is so much greater. But what is it? But Jesus did say, occupy until I return. So there's got to be a balance. There's got to be a turn to somebody say balance. There's got to be a balance. We can't be so super spiritual that we forget about everything here and not worry about anybody who's going to hell. But we're to be like, if you're familiar with this story in the Bible, Nehemiah building the walls of Jerusalem. They worked with a sword in one hand and with a trowel in the other. They're building, but they're guarding. They're building, but they're guarding. You and I in these days have got to, have got to be like this. I got one eye on the sky because he's coming for us. But I got the other eye on who do I need to reach before he shows up. Do you love people? Yes. Do you care for your families? Yes. Do you care for your loved ones that are not saved yet? Yes. 
Do you care for the people around you, your coworkers, whatever? If you do, you're going to stop worrying about your life and throw yourself into their lives so that they can get saved, they can become born again, they can receive Christ as Savior. Yeah, they'll enjoy some stuff here on earth, but when we all go and when Jesus comes, you will not have the regret of, I missed out. I didn't get a chance to talk to this one. Yesterday morning or, or two days ago, might have been by now, I woke up and all of a sudden, I had the picture of one of my uncles, an elderly guy who passed away a few years ago in hell. And I'm like, oh my God, I hope he's not there. But I never had the opportunity to talk to this man. I never had the opportunity to reach. First of all, they didn't want to hear anything. They heard, I was like, you know, once they, when I first got saved, oh, he left the Catholic Church and now he's a heretic and they're going to burn him at the stake and uh, don't listen to him. And And this guy never got over that. But it just, it hurt me because, you know, every once in a while, you remember some things. I mean, all of a sudden, I can picture this man in hell. I'm like, oh, my God. It's probably the reality. The reality is he's probably there, and there's nothing I can do about it now, and there's nothing he can do about it now. What is it? Why do we pacify ourselves when people pass from this life and they weren't saved? I'm not saying, because there's nothing you can do about it anymore, but it should spark the urgency for us to say, I'm going to do my best so that doesn't happen again. Amen. I'm going to do my best, okay? Not do my best to build my little kingdom here, which is going to be like, how many like to build sand castles at the beach? I love to build, thank you, Grant. Anybody else? Me and Grant are the only ones. We're going to go out this afternoon and build sand castles. How many of you like to build a sand castle at the beach? What is wrong with you people? <laughs> it's like one of the most rewarding things, you know? But then what happens? The wave comes, or the sun comes out, dries it all, the wind comes and blows it down, or, or the tide comes in. I like that. I like to build them close to the water so that when the tide comes in, I can sit there and go, yeah. But that's what life is like. Did you notice that no matter what you write in the sand where the waves come in, eventually is obliterated? Yet we put so much time and effort in building our little sandcastles that we don't think about the tides coming in. Jesus said, if you build your house on the rock, it's gonna stand when the storms hit. If you build it on the sand, it's gonna get washed out from underneath you. So, So why are we putting so much attention and focus on these 70, 80, even 100 years that in eternity we're gonna go, we lived on earth? There was an earth? There was, a, I had a, what's, what's a mortgage? What's a car payment? It's going to be gone. We're going to enter in a whole new realm of life that none of these things that we're sweating, killing ourselves, working jobs, conniving, trying to do everything we can to hold on to, they're going to wash away. Amen? So now, in this time, we cannot live without hope. Hope causes us not to get discouraged because we have put our focus on something in the future. Listen to Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see where their mind was constantly? Their mind was the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's coming. And, and from now until the time he comes, be confident that he's working on the things in you. Why? Because he's not done with us yet. In spite of all that comes to discourage us, do your best to maintain an eternal perspective, understanding that God is working behind the scenes 
to work in you and to make you more like him. Amen? Amen. Romans 8.18, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. There's a glory that's gonna get revealed in us. Okay? Let him work on things. Let him do stuff. You, you, put your, you put yourself in a place of hope that no matter what you see, no matter what happens, no matter what craziness, and listen to me, uh, this isn't over yet. This whole pandemic thing is not over yet. Unfortunately, it is not. There's gonna come. Something else is coming. This is just the preparation. This is just the let's, let's tickle them and see how they, let's poke them and see how they respond. Okay, are you listening to me? Yes. Listen to me. Something else is coming. And the worst thing that you can let happen to you is to become desensitized and let this become the new normal. It is not normal. Okay, we are in the last days. And in the last days, there's going to be what Jesus called birth pains. Every woman that's ever delivered a child, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I could say that a little bit about that because I've had kidney stone attacks and they tell you that it's just like childbirth. It's probably worse, yeah. So, so I can say a little bit, I know what it's like because it starts a little bit and then you're like, whoa, whoa. Well, you know, I was with my wife with every one of our children that were born and I, could, I know the escalation pattern. Because, I, I, you know, she's not looking at the monitor. I'm looking at the monitor going, oh, dear Jesus, here comes another one. You know, and at one point she grabbed me by the neck and she, she never did the classic, you did this to me. She never did that. But it was like, I knew when it was coming. This, these, this is what we're in right now. It's the birth pains. It's the birth pains. It's the, oh, what was that? It's, but what's coming? What's coming is the waters are going to break and the pains are going to come. Boom, 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 boom. But what happens at the end of that? the baby Jesus comes Jesus comes okay now we're not going to be here when the water breaks we're not going to be here for those boom 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 those pains one on top of the other where you don't even get a chance to take a breath in between we're not going to be here but we are going to be here for the beginning and we're in the beginning of the birth pains okay so, so don't sit there and go yeah maybe next year things are going to turn to normal no no, it doesn't get that way, okay? It's just they'll come one on top of you. We don't know what the next one's going to look like, but it's probably going to be something like this, but worse, okay? And I'm not hoping it comes. I'm just telling you what I sense in my spirit. When you see how the patterns in Scripture play out, it's a pretty good chance we're being set up. Now, don't get that and start thinking, oh, he's a conspiracy theorist. No, 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 no. I know who's behind the conspiracy. His name is Satan, okay? I'm, I'm not concerned with that. But we know what he's got in store, what he's going to try to pull before Jesus returns. But we also know what Jesus is going to do. Okay? So now, you, so don't give up hope, okay? Why? Because if, if you give up hope and you're connected to Jesus, what are the people around you that are not connected to Jesus, what are they going to think? What are they going to say? What are they going to do when you, who they thought was a pillar, are falling apart? You don't have the right to fall apart. You have the right to use the word of God, strengthen yourself, allow the power of the Holy Spirit to give you hope. In fact, allow, it to, allow him to overflow with hope. 
Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him. As you do what? Trust him. I'm gonna say it again. The God of all hope is gonna fill you with all joy and peace as you what? So that you may do what? Overflow with what? Hope. How? How? By hyping yourself up? No, by the power of the Holy Spirit. The closer you are with the Holy Spirit, the more uh, intimately you're involved with him, the more you crave to hear his voice, the more you want to spend time with him. Are you listening to me this morning? The more you want to spend time with him, the more he's going to fill you with hope so that you overflow. Why is it important for you to overflow? Because when you overflow, it spills out on somebody else around you. This hope is not just for you. We used to sing a song years ago. Maybe we should bring it back. This joy that I have, the world didn't give to me. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. You listening to me? That's how you got to hold on to that. Understand, yes, okay, by the power who's been unfilled with hope. Okay, but you just can't be filled with hope. You've got to be overflowing with hope. Why? Because your hope is supposed to carry somebody else. Thank you, Mary. Your hope is supposed to carry somebody else. Okay. All right, I'm going to keep going. Number two, reawaken your God-given purpose. There's too many people that have cast aside their purpose. Oh, life is tough right now. Life has always been tough. Where are these good old days that everybody talks about? Because in the good old days, we hated it just as much then. We used to say, well, the good old days before. What good old days? There are no good old days. Life is terrible on earth. Okay? The only relief we get is because we're connected to Jesus. And if, if we're still having a hard time and we're connected to Jesus, what about these poor people that don't know anything about him? That's right. That's right. So reawaken your God-given purpose. Okay? Um, let me say this, because there's other stuff I can go, but I'm picking out the highlights here, the important stuff. Tough times require tough disciples. Amen. You have a purpose in you. Well, I'm not in the ministry. Oh, yes, you are, sweetheart. Yeah, when you got born again, God put you in the ministry. You are in the ministry in the Department of Reconciliation. You were supposed to be reconciling people to God just like somebody reconciled you. Jesus came and reconciled us. He put, he put in you the ability to reconcile others. Well, I work uh, whatever. I'm, I work in an office. So then get that office. That's your ministry. That's your place of ministry. That's where you're supposed to shine the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where they're supposed to see that there's something different about you. That's where they're supposed to be attracted to the Jesus that's in you. But if you give up on your purpose and you say, I just I can't do it anymore. Just life is too difficult. I've had too many setbacks, too many disappointments. Every one of us in this room here has been affected somehow in the last two years. Either you lost somebody directly or you know somebody who, who lost somebody or extended family member or maybe you're having to care or you know somebody who's caring for someone that came out of the virus but still has, uh, 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 what I, what's the word I'm looking for? Still has a residue of that, of that sickness and still, and still trying to recover or maybe somebody that you know or you might have got affected financially. Maybe your job was eliminated. Maybe all of a sudden uh, you might have had a business and that business got, I mean, so many small businesses have disappeared. It's a shame. So many small businesses have disappeared. What's gonna happen with those people? Okay, so, but you can't say, well, um, you know, that, I don't know, maybe, maybe, you know, I'm just going to sit on the shelf and wait for Jesus to return, and that's it. No, you've got to work in your purpose. You've got to walk in your purpose. You've got to reawaken that, okay? Yeah, times are tough, okay? But tough times require tough disciples. Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are going to the temple. They see a man who's, who's laid at the temple gates every day, 
for, for all of his life. He's been lame since the day he was born, and he's 40 years old. 40 years of not being able to walk. Doesn't even know what it is to walk, okay? Peter and, Jane, Peter and John come by, boom. Uh, they, the man looks at them because expect, he's expecting to get money from them because that's all he can do is beg. And Peter says to him, that, that classic line, silver and gold have I not, but such as I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and be healed. His strength comes into his legs. Can you imagine his legs, what they look like? Never walked. They probably look like little chicken legs, okay? And, and all of a sudden now strength comes in. He jumps up. He's leaping. He's praising God. This is happening in the temple. The religious people go crazy. They don't want to see these miracles, okay? They arrest Peter and John, put them in jail, they put him on trial. Watch this. Acts chapter four, verse five. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders and scribes, as, look at verse six, as well as, do you recognize these names? I'll explain to you later. Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and as many as the family of the high priest were gathered together in Jerusalem. Let's keep going. And when they had set them, when they took, and they took, uh, did my sound change? Am I Okay. And when they had set them in the midst, they took Peter and John, put them in the middle. All, all these leaders are going to judge them. And they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? They're not concerned that the guy now can walk. They're not happy that this guy who's been paralyzed all his life could finally walk. They just want to find out, how did you do this? Why? Because out of jealousy and envy, because they couldn't work any miracles, they didn't want anybody else to work miracles. Because religious people are like that. Okay? Then Peter, look at this. Say it with me real loud. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled, filled with the, if he's filled with the Holy Spirit, then he has what, according to Romans? He's got joy, he's got peace, and it's what? Overflowing in him, okay? So then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, to the rulers, to the, to the judges, rulers of the people and elders of Israel. You talk about boldness, watch this now. For if, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, look at you talk about boldness, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. Next verse. This is the stone which, which, which was rejected by the, by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Keep going. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Keep going. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and realized that they had been with who? Jesus. Jesus. Tough times. Boldness. They, now, now, watch this out. They had a choice whether they were going to step out in boldness or not. The boldness is in there by the Holy Ghost that's in us. And boldness is in us because of familiarity with the Word of God. The more familiar you are with the Word of God, the more bold you will be. Amen. The less you know the Word, the less bold you're going to be. Now, watch this now, because I don't think we realize the boldness that rose up in these men. At least two of these judges were the guys that put Jesus on trial. Annas and Caiaphas are the ones that judged Jesus and said this guy should be crucified. In fact, it was Caiaphas that said, it's better for one man die for the nation than for the whole nation to perish. Could you imagine standing in front of the guys that you know were responsible for crucifying your Savior just a little while ago, and now you're standing there going, um, they're probably nailing crosses together right now. 
they're probably, and maybe, maybe Peter or John would have said to each other, you know what? We're in tough times right now. It's not real popular to preach this message. Maybe we should tone things down a little bit. Maybe we should, you know, because, watch this now. How are we going to reach them if we offend them? We hear this all the time. We hear this all the time. You can't say that. You can't say this. You can't. Why? Well, you might offend people. Would it be better for a person to be offended in this life than to be lost for eternity? Jesus offended people all the time. I don't know what kind of Jesus you worship right now because there's, there's a different Jesus that's being preached for the most part. Jesus offended people all the time. How would you like to be called Satan? He called Peter Satan. Then when, when most of his disciples walked away because they didn't like what he was saying, he says to the 12, you guys want to go too? Wouldn't you get offended? If you were there, you say, hey, what are you taking out on me for? I've been with you all this time. He offended people all the time. Was he offending them because he didn't love them or did he shake them up because he loved them? They made a decision because Peter understood his purpose. John understood his purpose. And purpose does not change according to the times of human life. Purpose stays eternal because purpose comes from the heart of God. Purpose does not come from man. Purpose comes from the heart of God. So you and I cannot allow the purpose that we've been created for or the purpose that maybe God may have put you on a job someplace and then forget about it because, you know, times are tough right now. No. This is all the more reason when people need to hear the truth. It's all the more reason when people need to be exposed to the gift of God that he's placed in you. Look, it's very possible that you can reach people that I can't. You have a certain personality. Uh, my personality might rub somebody the wrong way and shut the door. And, I, and, and that's okay because God gives me enough of people who like, don't rub the wrong way in order to make a difference. But, but your personality may be custom crafted to, to reach out to specific individuals that are not going to listen to anybody else. If you keep your mouth shut, where is their hope going to come from? Are you listening to me? All right, we're, we're, we're really going over time here, so let me just go right quickly to the next thing. Look, how do we need to live in these last days? We're probably going to spend a lot more time on this. Listen, I'm telling you right now, next year, as soon as we cross into the new year, uh, expect to hear a lot more teaching on faith. Amen. Faith. Turn to somebody say faith. faith. Because that's how the kingdom operates, by faith. And we're coming into that season where we need to teach that again. Why? Because the tougher times get and the tougher our society gets you're going to have to operate in faith in order for you to survive are you listening to me okay let me just say this just because i want to kind of like put an exclamation point right now we live in a society where the government's like this yes or no okay what's going to happen when you get dependent on that and the government goes. What's going to happen? Okay. If you have faith, if you've developed your faith, if you've grown your faith, you trust God. Because listen, in the Old Testament, he used a filthy bird to bring food to a prophet who had no food. If he's got to do it, he'll send a dog to your house with a shopping bag in its mouth. God will do it. God will do it. But if you're not a person of faith, if you just coasted through these times and you never allowed faith to develop in your heart, 
You're going to have to depend on those of us that developed our faith. Jesus made a statement so important. It's recorded for us in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, the last part of the verse. He said this, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find what on the earth? Faith. 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 Will he find faith? faith? Basically, what was he saying? Hey, when I come back, it's going to be in really bad times. When I come back, am I going to find anybody that has faith, or is everyone going to be completely overwhelmed with the darkness that's going to be on the earth? That's what he's saying. I say, as far as I'm concerned, you'll find some here. We're going to stand in faith, no matter what, okay? My wife and I have been been through tremendously tough times throughout the years. We've learned how to walk in faith. You are sitting in the manifestation of faith, okay? Uh, this wasn't handed to us. We're not, we weren't part of a denomination that said, here, here, take what you need. Here's all the money you need. Go start a church. We started this with whatever we had, trusting God. God. Trusting God, okay? We're not going to backtrack now. Yeah. You listening? We're not going to go backwards. We're going to go, keep believing God. We're going to keep trusting God. We're going to get back. The Lord spoke to me in 1995, the same time he spoke to her within, within minutes of each other, sitting in a conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The Lord said to me, as loud as if he was sitting behind me, I don't ever want you to be concerned for what you're going to need in the future. He said, I don't want you to pray about anything. I've already given you everything you need to accomplish what I've called you to do. When a need arises, you just thank me for it. Yes or no? Amen. That's how we have lived all these years. We know that if God's told us to do something, we have what it takes. Okay? He, he delivered the campus in Babel into our hands. We trusted for it. I don't know how we did it. Don't know how to this day. I don't know how we did it. Okay, we didn't even open that one yet. And then Wall Township shows up, like, the, like on a silver platter, like here, like here. I'm like, Lord, give me a chance to open the campus in Bayville. Let me get this one going. And then we'll concentrate on this one, okay? And so, so then we're supposed to, it, it'll happen. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how we did it. I don't know what, but each campus, I'll just tell you, I'll be very transparent with you. In both campuses, we spent between four hundred dollars and $500,000 to equip each campus to be able to do what it does to do. I don't know how we did it. I don't know how we did it. It does it by faith, by faith. I don't know how we did it. We walked into it. You, you never, when God tells you to do something, okay, you never ask, where's the money going to come from? Amen. He, if he told you to do it, that means he already has the money put aside for you to do it. Amen. You listening to me? Amen. That's how we've walked it out. I don't want you to learn that. There's some of you that know you've, been in, you've, you've walked out worse things than we have. You know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? But listen to me. Do not become dependent on man. Dependence on man is a snare. It's a trap, okay? Put your dependence on God. That was the word of the Lord for last year. It's the same word for this year coming up. Dependence on God. This year, we're going to concentrate on faith, on faith, on faith, okay? I'm going to stop here. Let me just throw this at you. I believe that faith came as a result of sin coming into the world. Faith is always the answer to an adversity. Are you listening to me? Think about it. In the Garden of Eden, when they had everything and they had everything they needed, they didn't need faith. What would they need faith for? I had nothing to come up. There was no challenges. 
There was no reason for Adam didn't get up in the morning and say, well, I got to trust God for this, that, the other. No, it was there. It was provided already. God created an atmosphere where everything was perfect. Yes or no? Yes. Now, sin comes into the world. Now, all of a sudden, there's thorns. There's weeds. Now, all of a sudden, the ground is not producing on its own. Now is when Adam needs to learn faith. Amen. Right? So, 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 so from that point forward, man has to live by faith. And over and over again, you see through the scriptures, at least three or four times that I know of, God says, my just ones shall live by what? Faith. In fact, one translation says, my just ones shall live by their faith. Amen. Their faith. How many times did Jesus say to somebody, your faith has made you whole? Amen. You have an expectation from God. God expects you and I to develop faith on the inside of us. Why? Because what was the original thing that Adam and Eve took from God and gave to the devil? He took the trust that they had in God and he put it in Satan. And all God has ever wanted all these years is for us to once again put our trust back in him. Take it away from Satan, take it away from the world system, take it away from man and place our trust back on him. Yes or no? That's all he's wanting from you. That's why it tells us in Hebrews 11, without faith, it's what? Impossible to do what? Please God. You want to please him? Walk in faith. You want to please him? Don't fall apart when things don't go right. You want to please him? Don't grumble when, when life hands you challenges. Just you trust God. You trust God. You declare your faith in him. He'll bring it to pass. Amen? I got to go. Okay, the next services, they're probably circling the parking lot already. All right, so listen to me, please. I pray in the name of Jesus that God will continue to reveal these things to you, that you do not lose hope, that you don't abandon your God-given purpose, that you would pursue it even more now in these dark times. And last of all, and the most important, that you allow faith to develop in your heart, that you don't live like, like an unbeliever, that you live by faith. Amen? Amen? God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. If not, we'll see you. contact with you and if we don't know each other we're not a family amen so please fill out a connect card at the end of service go out to the red wall you'll see you'll see a, a smiling volunteer there who will love to shake your hand and give you a free gift for joining us amen next move next move is our is our membership class it happens the first and second weekend of every single month i gotta get my phone because i have a scripture i don't want to forget it quickly very quickly so Next move, it's about membership and volunteering, and I want to read the scripture very quickly, which I think promotes the heart of next move. In Romans 12, it says this, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and taking delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. 
Don't pretend to love each other, but love each other and honor each other. And that's exactly what volunteering is. That's exactly what being a family is. So if you'd like to be a church member and you'd like to volunteer at this church, nextmovenj.org forward or newbeginningsnj.org forward slash nextmove. You can sign up there, and it happens the first and second weekend of every single month. Now it's time to give. Now should be an exciting time to give. This should be an exciting thing that's in our hearts because God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. He gave the ultimate gift to us, so giving to him should be a blessing to us. Amen? If we have a number of ways to give here at New Beginnings, you can give with an envelope and a seat pocket in front of you. You can give online. You can text to give, or you can download our app. And I was sharing the scripture in Mark 12. You don't have to put it up, Mindy. It's okay. Um, but the scripture talks about how Jesus is at the temple and people are bringing their offerings. And there's a lot of wealthy people who bring their offerings and they bring things out of their surplus. But there's this, there's this widow and she brings two cents, two coins. And it's all she had. And Jesus recognizes her. And you would think that with all the people there bringing all the large amounts, those, were the pe- those would have been the people that Jesus saw and he recognized and he put in his word. But in his word, it wasn't those people. It was a person who gave the two coins. And I think that's really important for two reasons. Number one is this. Sometimes we have a little bit of money in our pockets, whether it's little coins or little dollars, and we don't give it because we don't think it matters or we don't think that it could do anything. But God can work with the smallest of things. Amen? And the second thing is this. Jesus noticed the woman who gave two cents. He noticed her. And sometimes we may think the things that we do, the small little things that we do, whether it's our finances, our volunteering, or, or the little good works that we do throughout our day, go unnoticed. And they may go unnoticed to man, but Jesus notices what we do. And it gives him glory. Amen? Amen. So ushers, you can go ahead and receive the offering. And I have one more announcement, and this is a very somber and serious announcement. One of our dear church members, Heather Danley, she passed away suddenly last week. Some of you may recognize her. She's a young, small boy. He's such a beautiful, beautiful kid. Um, and we're having a celebration of life service for her. That's happening this Thursday coming up, November 4th at 7 p.m. So if you knew Heather and you'd like to come celebrate her life, you're welcome. If you didn't know her but you still want to come and celebrate her life, you are welcome as well. It is going to be a time to celebrate Heather Danley's life. Because though she passed, and this is a time of mourning, we know she's with her Lord and Savior in heaven. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much, church. I'd like to welcome our lead pastor, Pastor Joe Source. Thank you, Brian. Thank you so much. Um, I'm so glad you're all here today, especially this particular teaching series that we're doing. Um, For the sake of time, I'm going to have to just jump right in. If you were not here, please, uh, last week when we introduced this series, please go online, go to YouTube. Watch the teaching uh, from last week so that you'll be able to piece this all together. I want to jump right into a a major scripture. This is kind of like our foundational scripture for this series. And um, I'm going to ask you to give me the opportunity to um, read this to you the way it appears in your English Bible. And then I'm going to read it to you the way the people in the first century would have heard it in the original language, okay? Because I think it's extremely important. Can we have that scripture, please? Second, Second Timothy chapter 3. And watch this now. I want you to pay very close attention to this scripture. This is the bedrock foundation of this series, okay? This is the way the translators brought this scripture to us from the original Greek. It's kind of, our language is flawed. It's kind of faulty. It's not as, 
as descriptive. It's not as um, um, easy to understand the original intent. And so that's why I always like to go back to the original language that it was written in, okay? So here's what it says in your Bible in some form or another, depending on the translation you're using. But know this, and I would prefer to put three exclamation points after that, and I'll tell you why later. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, okay? Here's what it says in the original language, okay? You must grasp the reality that in the last days, and this is what last days means, this is the picture that a person who heard this in Greek in the first century, this is what they saw. In the last days, when you come to the place and time when you have reached the last port, in other words, it's a nautical term, when you have come to the end of the line, exceeding ferocious, life-threatening times will come. The Holy Spirit, through Paul, to Timothy, and to the church, said, you must grasp the reality of this, that in the last days, when you come to the end of the journey, when you're at the end of the line, when you've reached the last port, exceeding fierce, life-threatening times will come, okay? Now, I'm almost, I almost regret entitling it living in the last days because what some people tend on doing is they focus on last days, like dun, 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 last days. I don't want you to focus on that because the teaching is about how are we now as believers, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, how are we supposed to live in this age that we're in now? And listen, I don't usually say stuff like take my word for it. I, I don't, but I don't have time to go into giving you evidence. Those of you that were not here last weekend, I don't have the time right now to give you the evidence to show you multiple, multiple different facets of evidence to show you that we indeed are in the last days. I'm gonna give you two dates, that's it. Because many times when you talk about something about the last days, people will sit there and go, oh, they've been talking about last days for 2,000 years. Okay, well, nobody could ever accurately say that Jesus can come back at any time until our age, until the season that we're in now. For someone to say previous, say the beginning of the last century, for somebody to say, oh, Jesus is coming back now. No, they're wrong. It couldn't be, it's not possible. Because the one major thing that had to take place before Jesus could come back had not taken place yet. However, there is a date that when that date hit the calendar, the, time, the clock started ticking. That date is within most of our lifetimes. May 14th, 1948. On May 14th, 1948, the United Nations in New York decided to grant permission to the Jews that had fled Europe and to those that had already settled in the Middle East that they could declare Israel a nation, okay? Up until that point in time, nobody could say for certainty he's coming back. Then what, what really clinched it was almost 20 years later, in June of 1967, once June of 1967 hit, and the event that took, that took place in June 1967, that made the clock go, shoom. okay? Because in, in June of 1967, 
the Israeli army recaptured Jerusalem, which they had not captured and was not part of their nation in 1948. You listening to me? Say, what does that have to do with anything? Oh, it has a lot to do with anything. With everything, not anything. It has a lot to do with everything. Because Jesus could not return until Jerusalem was back under Israeli rule. That's been 2,000 years in the making. Okay? Now, with all certainty, we can say, he can come back at any time. He can come back at any time. And some people would say, well, well there's still people that haven't heard. No, they're going to hear. But they will hear in those very last days before he returns physically to the earth. Okay? There is nothing left to happen in the prophetic time clock before Jesus comes for the church. Okay, we don't have time. Don't have time to go into this. I will give you all the information you want. If you reach out to me through email or Facebook or whatever, I'll give you whatever information you want. Now, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ takes part in two separate time frames. It's the first one that we're looking for now. The first part of his second coming involves Jesus coming just for the church. For every believer, for every person that's ever called on the name of the Lord, for every person that's ever said, Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior, he's coming for us first. And then, listen to me, exactly to the moment, seven years later, he comes to take, to take his place on the earth to rule and reign from Jerusalem physically. Are you understanding this? I'm not expecting you to understand it all. Are you, are you listening to what I'm saying? So, so now listen to me. If this is true, and we believe it is, and if we are that close, and I believe we are, then we should be living different than we lived years ago. Would you agree that 20 years ago, when the towers were attacked and all that took place, life was never the same again, right? right? People lived different from that time. Those of you that are 20 years and younger, this is all you know. Now, all you know about life is that there's terrorism, and every once in a while, we, we take a hit, and you have to be careful. You know, you got to be secure. There's all kinds of technology. We have, or you're living with less freedom now than we lived before because we don't want to get attacked again. So this generation, these 20-year-old generation, that's all they know now. But for those of us that were around before that, we can remember that life was a little bit different before the attack. Yes or no? Yes. Now, watch this now. Would you agree now that the generation that's growing up now with this pandemic stuff that's happened these past 18 months, would you agree now they're living in a new type of season of life? Okay? They're living with the possibility that, you know, whatever, that people can get sick and they can die and all this other kind of stuff. Now, I don't want to go into a lot of that because I want to get to the main message here because we're running out of time. Okay? Now listen to me. Imagine the Jews that lived during the time that Jesus was on the earth they don't know what's coming. The disciples themselves really didn't understand what was coming. All they know is they're still living under Judaism, ancient Judaism, okay? They're still living with the law. Then they happen to still be on earth alive when Jesus goes to the cross. He raises from the dead. Imagine being among the disciples that were there on the Mount of Olives when he ascended into heaven. You know you could never live life the same again. Yes or no? They could never live the same way again, okay? And so now we're living in this, this atmosphere right now, in this, this scenario, where we see that everything that the Bible talked about 
referring to Jesus' second coming, is unfolding before our eyes. In fact, most of it's already happened, okay? Now, the question here that's posed to us is this. How are we now, and listen, I'm gonna ask you, please, for the sake of this series, to just settle it in your hearts for now. You can, you can argue later, settle in your hearts for now. Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon. Since this is true, I'm not gonna say if, since this is true, how then should we live from this point until we see him in the sky? How should we live? Because we can't live the same anymore. We know too much. We're dangerous. We know too much. We just can't go back and just live like anything. Eh, what the heck? Life keeps going on. Okay? What I want to present to you is this. I can't, I can't cover everything, but I'm going to cover, I think, the things that are the most important right now. Because what needs to shift in the life of every Christian and every believer, I'm not talking about just new beginnings. I'm talking about across the world. What needs to shift in our lives is this. Would you agree that when God spoke to Noah and said, build this boat because floods are coming, rain's coming, water's going to come from the sky, and you've never seen water come from the sky before? Because the fact of the matter is, if you read the scriptures, it, ne- it had never rained before the flood. And that's why when Noah went around and said, hey, you guys, I'm building this boat. You know, come and get your tickets because the rain is coming. They went, what do you, what's rain? Because the Bible tells us when God created the earth, he created in such a way that the water came from underneath and watered the earth. Mist came and watered the earth. They didn't have to worry about rain coming from the sky. Okay, we can go into a lot of that. I'll cover it some other time. So if you've never seen rain before, and some crackpot comes to you and says, hey, water's going to fall from the sky, and it's going to cover the whole earth, and if you don't get in the boat, you're going to drown, you know that the majority of the people, the greatest majority of the people went, he's nuts. Why? Because we've never seen rain come from the sky. So many times when you talk about Jesus coming for the church, people say, oh, that's crazy. It's never happened before. Just because something hasn't happened before doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Are you listening to me? And of course, he's going to come with a big, big, gigantic, splashy introduction to the world. Okay? He came very quietly the first time. The next time he comes, there's nothing quiet about it. Are you listening to me? Okay? So then how are we supposed to live? What are we supposed to do? Because the fact of the matter is, we've already lived through some crazy times. We already lived through some crazy time. Last year at this time, could we possibly imagine that within a few months, most of this country would be shut down and most people would participate with it? Okay? Would, would you ha- could we ever have... Now, we, so we knew something was coming. We've been saying this for the past few years. Something's coming. Something's coming. But we could never imagine. And honestly, we don't know exactly every detail of Jesus' coming. We do know this. He's coming. He's coming. You listening? So now, now let's, let's, let's presume. I don't want to say assume. Let's presume. I want you to presume. I want you to settle in your hearts. He's coming. If this is true, and it is, can we possibly just live the same we've been living? No. How could we? 
How can we say that we love people? How can we say that we have the love of God in us? How can we say that we have the hope of the second coming, the blessed hope of the church? How can we say that we believe those things and still live the same? Because when you realize what's going, when you realize where we are on the time clock of human history, and you, and you understand this, you will not preoccupy yourself. As I started to say before, the shift that needs to take place within the body of Christ, and you know what I mean by the body of Christ? Within God's family all over the earth is this. We got to get our eyes off of ourselves and get our eyes on the harvest. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you know what the harvest is? I'm not talking about pumpkins. I'm not talking about dried up pieces of corn that I don't know why we put them on our houses. I'm talking about the harvest of human souls. The harvest. Every one of us in this room have people that are in our lives that if Jesus was to come today, they would be left behind. You listening to me? Every one of us have people in our lives that if they were to take their last breath today, they would end up in hell. And I know the majority of people don't like to hear this stuff, but I'm sorry, I love my job too much not to teach the truth. And the fact of the matter is there's only two destinations for the human spirit. You're either going to heaven because you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ or you're going to be separated for all of eternity in a place of suffering. I don't want to see anybody, I don't want to see that to happen to anyone. So we, we need to develop an urgency. Now, we have a responsibility to live a certain way before in front of the rest of the world who has not yet come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, I'm going to ask you to give me the opportunity to give you three distinct ways that we should be living. I know there's more. And maybe in the future we'll cover them. Uh, but right now for today, give me the opportunity to present to you and to propose to you three specific ways that we should make sure that we are living so that those that are around us will sense the difference and they'll know, I, I, I can't make sense of this world. I can't wrap my head around what's going on. And, and I hope you realize the state of the condition that this world is in. That you don't just get occupied on your phone, occupied with everything else, occupied with your careers, occupied with your whatever you want to fill in the blank for, that you're just letting it slip by you. Understand, especially you young people, please. God wants to use you in a tremendous way in these last days. He wants, he wants to use you to reach your generation because your generation is so distracted right now, so preoccupied with self, okay, that many of them are going to slip into eternity without God if you don't let him use you to touch your friends and to touch your, your schoolmates, whatever, the people around you. So, number one, how should we be living? Don't give up hope. You cannot give up hope. You cannot give up hope. And, and we have this way of we subtly allow hope to slip away from us. Nobody, nobody, for the most part, not too many people would come out and say, I have no hope. I have no expectation. I'm just gonna sit here and wait to either die or Jesus comes. You and I cannot afford to live like that, okay? Why? There's people that are watching us. There's lost people watching us. We saw last week that the early church, the first century church, okay, the church that was impacted by the resurrection personally, they exclusively, all they preached was the resurrection of Jesus and the second coming. That's it. 
You see it all throughout the letters of the church. I don't know how we forgot this. I don't know how we let it slip. I was amazed when I was studying for this, for this series. I was amazed in every single letter to the church, there's references to the second coming. Live this way. Why? Because Jesus is coming. That's, I'm paraphrasing, but that's the thought out there. I don't know how we, we reduced it to what, are this, what is this word going to do for me? What is God's promise is going to do for me? And the only reason why we have the letters to the church is to give the church the hope to say, hang on, he's coming. Hang on, he's coming. While you're hanging on, do this. Live this way. Get rid of this of your life. Get this out of your life. Put this on your life. It's the only reason we have these letters to the church. The New Testament is not, the, the gospels, maybe you can give to someone who's lost, who doesn't know Christ yet, and they can get something out of it. But if, if the epistles, the letters to the churches, exists for you and for me, especially the letter to the Ephesians and the letter to the Colossians. They are the two main letters that explain what is the church and what is the church's function, okay? What is it for? To prepare for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You getting this? I don't want to go into a lot of details, but I want you to just grasp this. Try to grasp this picture, this reality. We're on pause right now. What do you mean, Pastor? Picture it this way. I heard this astrophysicist who the stuff he was talking about was like, I'm like, all right, I'll take it at face value because I don't understand what's going to But he said this. He said, we know today, the scientific community knows today, that the universe is continuing to expand. It's always expanding, right? He said, but we don't see that on Earth. He said, if anything, we see it going backwards creation, right? He said it's because when sin came into the world, it, picture it this way, God hit the pause button and said, okay, pause, let's take care of this problem first, let's take care of the problem of sin, then we'll take it off pause and we'll continue. You listening? Because if you read creation in the book of Genesis and then you read what's supposed to happen after Christ returns and redoes the earth, it looks like we go right back to the beginning again. You listening to me? So we're in this time frame on pause. Now, it's been almost 6,000 years that we're on pause. During that pause, that time of pause, all God is concerned about is dealing with sin. This is the time frame that he sends Jesus to be a sacrifice, to get sin broken off of us. He wants us to take that message and bring it to the rest of the world. Okay, so pause. Because many of us have wondered, what else is going to happen in the future? There's got to be more than just this. And people have said, I wonder why God created all these other planets. Are they just there for us to look at? From No, no. Everything went, pause. We've got a problem here. Let's deal with sin. We have to pause it. Why? Because he didn't want sin to contaminate anything else that he was about to bring into creation. Are you getting this? So we're in that pause period. And so the pause button gets taken off when Jesus returns physically. He establishes the kingdom of God on the earth. The earth is going to get completely redone. Okay, it's going to make HDTV look like... It's going to be completely redone. We will live with a new heaven and a new earth. Everything changes, and then God's plan can continue. 
Are you listening? But right now, this is where we're at. And so God dealt with sin through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's us, up to us. But if you lose hope, then in your life, it stops. If you lose hope, how are the people around you that are looking for somebody who needs to be stable, that they can look to in the midst of all the turmoil, in the midst of all the confusion, in the midst, listen to this, in the midst of all the deception that is bombarding us constantly, that is not coming from human beings. Human beings are only transmitters. The deception that's trying to come upon your mind and my mind is coming from the master of deception, who Jesus called the father of lies. And he's pouring deception out on the earth now like never before. You listening to me? Don't lose hope. Now, hope causes us not to get discouraged because it keeps our eyes focused on an event coming in the future that is better. And look at it. You, you hear this all throughout the scriptures. I don't have time. Go, go back to last week's stuff. Go look at how many scriptures they get. Being con- Listen to this one, Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it, and then we go into the day of Christ Jesus. So where do we put the emphasis? We put the emphasis on God's working in me. God's working in me. I'm, my confidence is God's working in me. But what's he working in me? For what reason? He will complete it until the what? Come on, guys, you can read. To what? To the day of Jesus Christ. What is he talking about? The second coming. He's saying God's preparing us. God's working in us. God's shaping things in us. He's, he's molding us for what? Well, so that I can have a good life, pastor. Oh, so that I can be a blessing to others and I can enjoy great relationships and I can pursue a wonderful career. Yeah, those are all wonderful things, but that's not the context. The context is this. He's working in us. He's preparing us. He's shaping us. He's molding us so that when he comes... We're ready. You see it? Okay. Now, we can give another one. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Paul says, now, now watch this. He's writing this to the Roman church who's already experiencing persecution. They're already living in tough times. And what does he write to them? For I consider that the suffering, this is the guy who's going to get his head chopped off in Rome. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to what? To be compared with the what? The glory which shall be revealed in who? Us. us. When? When we put ourselves in the hands of God, when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, when we, when we start to consider our, our lives less than the lives of those around us that don't know him yet, there's a glory that's revealed in us. How many of you met, or maybe you were the person, how many of you met somebody who you knew before they got born again, and they were like, you don't even want to be near this person. And then all of a sudden, you meet them years later. They've been born again. They're walking in the Word. They're going to a good church where they're being taught the Word, and you see complete difference in them. Is that not the glory of God being revealed in that person? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, all right, let me go to number two. Oh, man. Number two, number one is don't give up hope. Number two, listen to me, listen to me. Reawaken your God-given purpose. There are too many people who, because of the turmoil and confusion of the past couple of years, and some 
over the past couple of decades, you took the God-given purpose that he placed in your life and you took it and put it in the closet or you put it on the shelf and you said, times are crazy right now. You, you diverted your attention to survival rather than keeping your attention on what God wanted to use you for. Well, pastor, I'm not in the ministry. Oh, yes, you are. Are you a believer? How many believers do we have in here? How many believers do we have in here? Okay. Okay, good. You, when you said Jesus came into my life, you entered the ministry. Second Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Yeah, you may never step up behind a pulpit, but guess what? I recognize this. I was just having this conversation with somebody. I was able to impact way more lost people's lives when I was in business than now in the ministry. In the ministry, my job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, okay? I don't get to see as many lost people as I used to see when I was in business. When I was in business, my friends used to call my business the underground church. People would come there, they'd get saved. I have people walk in, because the presence of the Holy Spirit was there. I remember one time I had a lady walk in. She comes up to the front counter. I used to be in the food business, deli business, right? Of all the places that God would use, okay? And this lady came in one time, and she stood at the counter, and she started shaking and trembling, started crying. I said, what's the matter? And she said, my son is sick and blah, blah, blah. People would come in, and God would move on their hearts just like that. I would get people saved every week. I'd get people healed in a deli with an apron on, slicing salami. Why? Because I understood this principle. I, as a believer, am a minister of reconciliation. And just how God sent someone to my business to impact my life, my life then would be used, and that business would be used, to impact other people. You listening to me? Now I'm in a different category. Now I wait for you to bring people so I can minister to them. But you don't have to wait till you bring them here. God's expecting you to do it. But until, listen to me, until you see it as your God-given purpose, you're not gonna walk in it. You're always gonna say, uh, well, come to church and let my pastor pray for you. No, you're supposed to bring them to church, but you're supposed to get them saved first, then bring them to church. You listening to me? Thank you, Pastor Jerry, Pastor Beth. Are you listening to me? Because don't make believe like, you know, if you hide... You know, like when the teacher wanted to call on somebody to read, you you snuck behind the person sitting in front of you? Until you recognize that that is your God-given purpose, you're not going to walk in it. But guess what? There's going to come a day. You're going to stand before the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's going to say, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you made it. I got to let you in because you called on my name. You placed your trust in me. I'm glad you're here. But... This is what I wanted you to accomplish. This is where I wanted you to go. This is who I wanted you to impact. I brought you to so-and-so's house so you can talk to them and minister to them. And I wish you would have done that because I have a crown waiting for every one of these things that you were supposed to do, but you never did it. Oh, 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 are you trying to put guilt? No, I'm not trying to put guilt. I'm trying to raise the level of awareness because the majority of Christians today, the great majority of Christians today, think, well, it's all for me. I'm saved now, and what the heck? I'm just going to enjoy life until I die or until Jesus comes back. No, 
what most do not realize that God is a God of investment. There are so many principles in the world, in the word about stewardship, about managing things, about administrating things. Why do you think that is? Because it's reflecting the nature of God the Father. He invested Jesus to get you. Are you listening? Now he's got you. He's expecting you. He wants to use you to invest you in somebody else's life to get them connected back to him. Are you listening to me? That's, that's the whole reason you're still alive. Otherwise, when you said Jesus came into my heart, he would have been better off just take you out of here and bring you right to heaven. He didn't. Why? Because you now are his seed being planted in the lives of others around you so that it'll, it'll burst forth and he'll be able to harvest that individual and bring them into the family of God. Well, I don't know what to say. No, no, it's not about, no, you don't know what to say. You're not willing to step out. Because if you will just allow him to put you in a position, you'll be shocked by the things that will come out of your mouth. How many times do people say, I could not believe what was coming out of my mouth. And I just said, okay, God, I'm going for it. And you will not, and it'll be customized for those individuals that you're speaking to. You listening to me? And just, it'll come out of nowhere. Well, it's coming from the Holy Ghost, but it's not going to come out. I remember going door to door in this neighborhood 28, 30 years ago. In this neighborhood, right back here, I could take you right to the house. And, and we knocked on the door, me and another person going door to door, telling people about Jesus. Okay, you could do it back then. Can't do it now because nobody will open the door. Okay. <laughs> but back then, I remember going to a house back here, and there were a whole bunch of people there that did not speak English. They were Spanish people speaking Spanish. And we're sitting there. I understand a little bit of Spanish. And I'm sitting at the table. Now, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the young person. I'm the, the um, untrained individual. So I allowed the other person who was more trained in what they were doing to talk to them. Okay, they understood a little bit of Spanish too. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I hear on the inside. Now, mind you, I'm not a pastor yet. I haven't gone to Bible school. I'm sitting there, and I look at a person across from me. It was a young man across the side of the table. And the Lord spoke to me and said, he was just in a car accident. He's got a problem with his ear. Tell him I told you that, and then pray for his ear. Could you imagine the look on the person's face when I said that? You just recently were in a car accident. God's telling me to tell you, you were just recently in a car accident and you hurt your ear. Told me which ear it was and everything. I said, God wants to heal you. The tears, the, the, you, you want to say, it, it, it's the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost needs to use, some, to use a physical body. If you'll just allow him, if he'll allow, you, if you'll allow him to put you in a position, you'll be shocked with the stuff that will come out of you because it's coming from him, from your spirit where he is. You listening to me? Please, don't forsake your God-given purpose. Last one, the last one is this. How are we supposed to, I gotta go to this, I gotta go to this, okay. All right, I'm gonna give you this statement, I want you to receive it, I want you to hear me. Tough times, are we in tough times right now? Yeah, I'm gonna ask you again. Are we in tough times right now? Yes. Okay, good. I was thinking I had to pray for some people who are delusional. Okay. <laughs> now listen, tough times require tough disciples. Amen. You listening to me? Tough times require tough disciples. All right? Acts chapter four. You can, don't get there yet. Don't put the scriptures up yet. Acts chapter four. Peter and John go to the temple in Jerusalem. They're walking in through the gates. They see a man who's been crippled here. They find out, whether they knew before or not, we find out that this man has been crippled from birth and he's 40 years old. 
Never walked. His legs are probably shriveled up like chicken bones, okay? Because he's never walked. He doesn't know what it is to walk. 40 years. Peter and John are walking in the temple. This guy, they bring him every day, put him there because he can't work. All he can do is beg. They see Peter and John. He sees Peter and John. They looked at Peter, and he looks at Peter and John, expecting to receive money because it's the only way he can earn an income. And Peter says to him, that classic line, silver and gold have I not, but such as I have. In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, rise up and be healed, grabs a man. The man immediately receives strength in his legs, jumps up, dancing, leaping, praising. This is in the temple, in the temple, where all the religious people are. The same ones who crucified Jesus, okay? All right, so they get arrested for working this miracle. They're put in prison. The next day, they're going to trial. Let's pick up in Acts chapter four. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders and scribes, as well as, and I want you to notice these names, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John and Alexander, Alexander, and as many of the family of the high priest were gathered together in Jerusalem. Next verse. And when they had set, when they, all the judges, the rulers, the leaders, the religious people, took Peter and John and set them in their midst, they asked the two of them, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, read this real loud with me, this next part that's highlighted in yellow, one, two, three, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom, watch this now, now look at, you talk about boldness, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you, Hold, keep going. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they, the rulers, the leaders, the religious people, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they realized what? That they had been with who? Jesus. Well, let me ask you this question. Is Jesus with you? Yes. Some of you. Is Jesus with you? Yes. Do you have the Holy Ghost inside you? Yes. Now watch this now. Well, well, pastor, those were the apostles. They're people. They're men just like you and I. But watch this now. Consider the boldness that they walked in. Because you remember the list of names that I read to you? Annas and Caiaphas were both in the trial when Jesus was condemned. They're standing in front of the very guys that sent Jesus to the cross. Don't you think it penetrated their little minds to think, we better watch what we say because these are the guys that killed Jesus. Would you have been that bold? Don't answer it. Just ponder it. They took their lives in their hands, but they had the power of the Holy Ghost in them. And the power of the Holy Spirit rose up in them. And man, Peter was free to speak the truth and spoken in boldness. You listening to me? Now, if you read the rest of these, of these chapters, you're gonna realize that there was somebody else that was sitting there listening to all this because he was part of 
the Supreme Court of Israel is a man named Gamaliel, who to this day the Jewish community reveres as one of their great rabbis. He's the one who said to the rest of the people, you guys better watch the way you handle this because if this is from God, you're not gonna be able to stop it. And if it's not from God, you don't need to be worried about it. Gamaliel was the one who mentored the apostle Paul. You listening to me? You don't know who your boldness is going to affect. What I'm saying is this, tough times is gonna require tough disciples. Not people that are gonna apologize for, well, yeah, you know, I am a Christian. Now, don't be abrasive, but don't you dare fail to take your stand. Are you listening? Tough times is gonna require tough disciples. Those that know the Holy Spirit those that are filled with the Holy Spirit, those that understand and hear his voice and have discerned to be able to tell the difference between the voice of God and the voice of this world. And the closer you get to the Holy Ghost and the more time you spend with the Spirit of God, the more time you spend in the Word, the more time you spend worshiping God, the tougher you will become. And when tough times really get crazy, they won't even phase you. Which brings me to the next point, and then we gotta be done. I gotta do this really fast. Jesus made a statement that's very telling, and it only appears once in the Gospels. In Luke chapter 18, verse eight, the last part of that verse, he said, when the Son of Man comes, will he, will he find what? Faith. You said it like you really meant it. Will he find what? Faith. Where? On earth. Paraphrases, what's Jesus saying to them? Hey, tough times are gonna come, especially in the last days, okay? What's he saying? When I return, am I going to find anybody who's still trusting God? Am I going to find anyone who has placed their faith in God? Or is everyone going to be overwhelmed by the darkness that's going to come on the earth in those last days? You know, the key word that the Lord gave us for 2020 was dependence on God. I'm already sensing, it's only October still, and I'm already sensing it's not going to change for next year. It's just going to amp up a little bit. Is it ramp up or amp up? What is it? Ramp up? You know what I'm talking about. So you're going to see here, if this is your church, and you're going to stick with us for the, for the, for, for seen, for the foreseen future. For, you know what I'm talking about. For the next year. We're going to talk a lot about faith in 2022. We're going to talk a lot about faith. Why? Because in these last days that we're coming up to, as things get crazier, you and I are going to have to know how to live by faith. Are you listening to me? No, I'm serious. Are you listening to me? Because listen to me right now. This, what I'm going to say is not a political statement. It is a spiritual observation. Right now, the world population is being set up. We say it's people. It's not people. It's people are marionettes. The devil is behind this. Because he wants to try to thwart the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and especially wants to shut the church down so that we can't reach people before he returns, okay? So right now, listen to me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Right now, this is the stance of our government. And people like, like they're in one of those money machines that you see like on the game shows and stuff like that. The same hands that do this can take it back and shut it down 
And in the meantime, you have emotionally crippled yourself because you, you became dependent upon man instead of being dependent upon God Almighty. And when the pipeline shuts off, how are you going to get your needs met? Because I noticed in the Old Testament when judgment was coming upon Egypt, the Israelites were walking around like, we're good. Darkness is on Egypt and the land that they lived in just to the north right on the Mediterranean, there was light. When Egypt's cattle were dying in the fields and just falling over, the Egyptians' cattle and sheep were just, we're good. God always provides for his people that'll walk in faith towards him. You listening to me? My admonishment to you, my, I'm begging you, begin to develop faith. I'm not talking about how you label yourself or how you identify yourself. Well, my faith is I'm a Christian. No, 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 that's, that's a label. I'm talking about functional, practical faith in God that gets your needs met. And what are we gonna need to believe him for real quick? Number one, we're gonna believe him that we're not gonna be alone, even in the worst of times. No matter how dark it gets, we're never alone. When we were shut in in our homes, some of you that didn't come out of your houses for months, he was still with you. He's always with you. He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. But if you don't trust him for that, even though he's there, you'll be blind to his presence. Number two, we're gonna have to believe him for provision because what are you gonna do if the pipeline gets shut off in your life? What are you gonna do if they tell you you can't come to the supermarket to shop, can't go to the doctors, you don't qualify? What are you gonna do? A lot of people are gonna die because they never train their souls to trust God, okay? Number three, you're gonna have to believe God for protection. Why? Exceedingly fierce, life-threatening times are coming in the future. For many people, they're already here. How would you like to be a Christian in Afghanistan right now? Okay. How would you like to have been a Christian five, 10 years ago in Syria, in Iraq? Okay. They already have had their tribulation. They know what it's like to live in tough times. They know what it's like to have to become a tough disciple in God. What are you going to do? You're going to walk in faith. I'm going to do my best. Amen? I'm going to do my best to teach us how to walk in. Listen to me. You're sitting in the manifestation of faith right now. There is no way possible, naturally speaking, that my wife and I should have been able to do what we've done here and the leadership that he's gathered around us. There is no way possible that this should exist in the natural. We were nobody. We had nothing. Are you listening to me? I don't know that I can get that over to you because you're sitting in the manifestation. For us to know what it was like when none of this existed except a dream in our heart that God put there, for us to know what God is capable of doing when you trust him. What, what he's done just in the past five to six years keeps me up at night sometimes. Like, how did this happen? We went from where we had to sell our bedroom furniture to be able to rent a truck to come back to New Jersey with nothing, to now we have three campuses that we oversee. And listen to me. Many of you don't understand this. A lot of you have come. The reality is since you've come and be part of this church, we've had three campuses. But for those who have been here from the beginning, you've seen how things have unfolded. I don't know how we did it. I don't know how we did it. It doesn't add up on paper. It doesn't make sense. 
all we knew is, God, you told us to do this? Go ahead, do it. Come on, we'll do it. I'll walk. Whatever door you open, we'll walk through. Whatever you want us to do, we'll do. Okay? And within, within a couple of years, we went from one campus to three campuses. When Bayville, we were, in the, we were towards the end of reconstruction at Bayville, getting ready to open it, and all of a sudden, property in Wall Township. Do you want this church? And I'm like, God, what are you doing? I, I, let me open Bayville. And then get, give me some time, and, and then we'll open Wall Township. And it's just so legit. It was like, God's like, oh, oh, you're willing to do this? Here, watch. <laughs> now watch this now. Watch this now. Both campuses, we invested between $450,000 and $500,000 to get them to the position so they can impact the communities. I don't know where the money came from. I don't know how we did it. I don't, I don't, I look back now and go, and it's not, it's, it's not like now having opened up these two campuses, we're like this, you know what I mean? Like one nostril bubble. No, we're good. And, I, and I'll say to her sometimes, how did this happen? I'll say to her leadership, how did this happen? He did it by faith. How did he create the universe? He spoke by faith and created. All we did was say, yeah, we'll go along for the ride if this is what you want to do. Now, was there work involved? Of course there's work. Was there prayer that got involved? Of course there was prayer. Did it require cooperation from us? It always will. But when you put yourself in a position to cooperate with God and just say to him, look, you're God, I'm not. You know what the need is. I'm willing to trust you. I'm willing to believe you. I'm willing to take some steps and walk on the water. But you're going to have to do it. He loves that. He loves that. I'm telling you, he loves that. That puts a big smile on it. How do I know that? Because Hebrews chapter 11 tells me that without faith, it's impossible to what? Please him. So when we walk in faith, what are we doing? Pleasing him. Stop shirking back from opportunities to trust God. Are you listening? I hope you're getting this. I don't have time to go into any more of this. You promise me you'll be here next weekend? Okay, because it's part three. We'll finish up the series, and we're going to be equipped to walk in these terrible times. Amen? Amen. You. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate that, but just let me get, while you're clapping, I could have got another statement in, okay? <laughs> Do not minimize the purpose of God in your life. See yourself as, as the man, the woman of God of the hour that's going to make a difference in somebody else's life. Listen to me. There's a price to be paid. You're going to have to get your eyes off yourself. But listen to me. When you get your eyes off yourself and you put them on God and you, put them, and you involve your life in someone else's life, there's something about God that will come and meet every need that you have. He'll come and fill every crack and every void in your life. He will come and make you whole. Why? So you can be used of him in these last days to reach somebody else. Amen?